In today's episode, Jaya chats with Geelong fertility specialist Dr. Prue Johnston. Prue was born and raised in Geelong and undertook her resident medical years and parts of her gynaecology training at the Geelong Hospital. When the opportunity came to work at Monash IVF, she was thrilled to be involved in providing a local and comprehensive fertility service for Geelong. In today's chat, Jaya and Prue talk about the best time to see a fertility specialist, options available besides IVF, and the success rate of IVF for women over 35 and 40. They also chat about the ideal time is to start thinking about egg freezing. We hope you enjoy this great chat between Jaya and Prue. Welcome to Conceive the Podcast, your resource for all things fertility, women's health and pregnancy, with your hosts, Jaya Ferreira, Chinese medicine practitioner and director of Natural Fertility Geelong, and me, Libby Morgan, practice manager and Jaya's friend. Hi, Prue. Hi, how are you, Jaya? Thanks for joining us. No problems. It's a bit of a struggle to find a time where we're both free. That's right. I think we're both a bit busy at the moment. Today, we're talking about when to see a fertility specialist. Most people probably know you as a specialist from Monash IVF in Geelong. Could you tell us a bit about your background and some of the things you've done to become a fertility specialist? Yes. Well, all fertility specialists are obstetricians, gynecologists first, and then we will do extended training either through subspecialty training or through a master's of reproduction and um, uh, reproductive medicine. And we're also mostly mentored through, Mm, um, through different clinics as well. So... Professor Gab Kovacs was my mentor several years ago, I guess now. Um, he retired but sort of born and bred in Geelong, so I always knew I was going to I've come down. I've done most of your training in Geelong. That's right, yeah. So I, I trained up at, I did most of my obs and gynae training up at Mercy Hospital yep. for women and then met Gab through Box Hill Hospital and then started my training sort of level five, level six OBS and Gynae general training and then went on to do a master's and have been down in Geelong, well, on and off really since 2009. So, and just found what you've loved. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's a really long, like I don't think people realise that's like a 10-year period really, isn't it? Yeah, I mean it's you're learning on the job a little bit initially. Mm-hmm. By the time you're sort of established, you're sort of running things but obviously still having sort of other specialists around to refer out to if needed like other occasionally sort of male factor things need to go up to Melbourne but generally everything can be done here in Geelong and we've run a full service so that's been a great great. that's been a really good change since I've been the direct clinical director that in the past we're definitely making it more and more full-time down here in Geelong yeah that's great so we used to have to send a little bit of stuff up to Melbourne um, but now everything's in Got Geelong. an extensive lab and absolutely doing everything. Yeah. Got much busier the last couple of years and definitely extended our team so. Do you think COVID's played an influence in people thinking about having babies? I think so and just having the time just sort of I guess having it as a priority but yeah. also not having other things to look forward to like, you know, travel or holidays and things. Or weddings have been put on hold for quite a while. Yeah. So I think that people have just pushed forward quickly with their Yeah, we have noticed that as well, like Mm. a big boom. And I think we were all sort of scrambling a bit at the start as as demand came up, but I think everything's really settled and it's been really great just to see the 
and it, it's really grown quite financially. So yeah. I think things will plateau a bit now, but at the same volumes. And I think also people moving to the area. Yeah, Geelong's really grown, hasn't absolutely. it? Absolutely. And people also making decisions to to stay and keep their treatment close to home um, just for ease of, you know, not having to travel to Melbourne for treatments. And, and I think that that means that it's easier for work, yeah, you know, 100%. not taking as much time off. And also even working from home has been really easy for patients because it's, things are much more flexible. They can be ducking in and out for any monitoring or anything they need or appointments. So Sometimes IVF can feel like another job in itself for people. Absolutely. So just being able to duck out and get their scans or yeah. procedures, it makes it so much easier. Absolutely. And I think, I think that's one of the, the big things to think about uh, is that all fertility, we're all trained the same. We're all doing very similar things. I think it's just what's easiest for you. And I think some people find that maybe having treatment locally they get a bit nervous about, you know, that Geelong's a small place and that mm. they might see people that they know or that they might, you know, they might want to feel a bit more anonymous up in yeah. Melbourne. But that, you know, Geelong's actually a big enough place that you really don't do that. And and even if you do see someone, sometimes it's nice to have that support if you do. 100%. And yeah, the chances of someone. bumping into someone and it, everything's pretty slim. That's right. And everything's very confidential. And, and how common is infertility? Uh, so we will still sort of quote about a 15% that, that about 15% of couples will need some investigation or treatment. I guess the reverse of that is that, yeah, about 85% of couples will fall pregnant naturally after trying for about 12 months. Yeah. Yeah. That those, and then there's still a, a percentage of that 15% that will, can, will fall pregnant naturally if they keep trying. Mm. Um, but there are some specific things that, you know, you should probably get investigated a bit sooner. So obviously if your cycle was irregular and you really had no idea of when you were ovulating or if you had sort of significant risk factors as in within the couple of the tubal issues or male factor issues. Or even thyroid issues. Yeah, other or other medical, general medical yeah. issues. Yeah. Yep. And that's why I think being in touch with your GP is important as well. Yep, absolutely. And so when should people come and see you? So we sort of say that if you're under 35, you can be trying up to about 12 months, yeah. even sort of towards, you know, in that six to 12 months sort of saying, look, maybe we'll see our GP or maybe we'll, we'll start to formulate a bit of a plan of just checking a couple of things. We appreciate that emotionally you've got to look after yourself if you're starting to feel frustrated. Yeah. Over 35, we'll say see someone if, you, if you're not pregnant after six months. And and that's really just because we like to be a bit more proactive and things being over missed that might be making it very difficult for you to fall pregnant naturally. Yeah. And I guess I commonly will see people come in and go, everything's normal. Mm. They've, been, they've been to their GP and everything's mm. normal. And I think people don't realise as well is that a fertility specialist just has a bit more in their toolkit. Mm. They'll be doing extensive testing, investigations, and even and even sort of that, I mean, so we say about 10% of couples, so once you've investigated, we won't find a cause. So we'll say sort of we'll classify them as unexplained subfertility, which in a way is good because they've still got a chance of falling pregnant mm. each month. But it can be very frustrating too because yeah, not having people, an answer. People want an answer and something to overcome. Sometimes people are just almost relieved when they find that there might be a, I don't know, a tubal issue or a sperm yeah. issue or yeah something else going on that's something just to be aware of yeah 
I guess there's that psychology part of it. I've gone, I've done something or there's something wrong with me. Mm, yeah. And I think, yeah, as a, yeah, as you said, um, as a fertility specialist, we are probably there just to make sure that all the boxes are being ticked, but also yep. quite early on, try to help you sort of fall pregnant naturally. And that's a common misconception that yep. if I see this person, I'm going to go straight into IVF. Mm. When really a lot of people don't actually get to that point, do they? Absolutely. And, and I think it's, it's absolutely important for people to know that we're trying to get you pregnant as naturally as possible. There is sort of a step-by-step yeah. progression up to something like IVF and we will be talking to you about what you want to do. Yeah, there are some people that say right from the start, we really don't want to mm. do IVF, we want to try anything else we can or some people will come and say we just want to do IVF because, you know, we've tried A, B and C and we're just so frustrated or know because of our worried about our age or those sort of things so we're here to guide you but certainly Mm -hmm. there's no there's no expectation and it's hard I mean obviously you went sometimes when you're walking into a clinic the word IVF is written everywhere or the yeah yeah um, yeah. and you sort of think oh this is just sort of ever you know gently siphoning everyone through IVF but probably only realistically 25 to maybe 50 percent need or even less to need IVF, um, we're often getting people pregnant just with some investigations and and some advice and and yeah. occasionally some Minimal. easy medications yeah. to use and those things. Yeah, and a lot of people are finding things like letrozole and yep. clomid really effective. Absolutely, I think there's a benefit of having it managed with a specialist. Mm. You're, not, you're obviously not responding to that, or we've got the next step here, which is not IVF, but another step forward. Yeah, I think there's a, I think increasingly have, you know, if you present to your GP with a fertility issue, they will increasingly refer directly to a gynecologist who is a fertility, who has a special interest in fertility, which means that, yeah, it's kind of a one-stop shop. So we can be starting letrozole first and if not successful, be moving in. I often see a lot of relief on my patient's faces when Mm. I sort of say, okay, we're going to try this for three months and if we're not that doesn't work we've got this next step and if that doesn't work then we've got this next step because it sort of feels like you're something that you haven't been able to control but you're giving the control to someone else yeah and you've got a plan so you sort of know what's coming what's coming if you need and then if this doesn't work we've got a next step correct yeah yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think people like knowing they're on a plan too Mm. rather than just waiting constantly correct yeah and then also, do you get many people coming in to consider egg freezing? We do. So we have, um, so I have a lot of single women presenting. Mm-hmm. The way that I explain it to them is that there'll be no expectation of what they want. Um, but basically, once you've taken a history, you'll sort of, I'll, I'll often say to them, we have three, we sort of have three sort of paths at, at this point. One is just, an assessment of your ovarian reserve and some hopefully mm-hmm. some reassurance yep. um, and just a bit of discussion about what your plans are or what your past history is with re- regards to relationships and things. Like often people are just want, often women are just wanting sort of some reassurance that they've got time to meet a partner, et cetera. Yep. The second option is to do fertility preservation. So to be proactive in a way and do an egg freeze, but it's not, a life-changing thing but it's a proactive thing kind of like insurance for the future exactly yeah and then the third option is obviously um that consideration of using donor sperm to have Mm. a child by themselves and 
most women have sort of thought about that and have a fairly firm, you know, idea of which way they want to go. But a lot of women are really unsure and they've, you know, we're mm. just here to sort of help them. And would you say that decision can be dictated quite a bit about their age? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So I feel like the perfect age to sort of consider egg freezing is probably, you know, early to mid 30s. So we know that we know from data that you know, under the age of 35, you know, whether you're 29 or 35 mm. or 30 to 35 really, yep. there's no real difference in success rate or how many eggs we need frozen. So even if you're seeing me at sort of 32 or 33, it's at, le- it's at least you assessing what your ovarian reserve is like and then sort of saying, okay, well, I need to do this probably before my 35th birthday so there's no rush it's but it's more just this and it's worthwhile thinking especially if you are thinking you want to have kids later in life mm. and it could really improve your chances of doing less cycles that's down right the track. and that I mean the other thing is just the other uh, the other thing I'll often say is even if you're having success with baby number one or two like mm. if you've started sort of trying for a family in your late 30s early 40s it might help with that baby number two or three, you know, down the track. If Essentially, if you're frozen that egg at 35, it's always, it's always going to be a 35-year-old Correct. Egg. So success rate for IVF is all around the age that of the egg. egg. Yeah, the age I of the egg. I think there's a bit of um, varying views about how you can influence egg quality. Mm. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, look, the absolute evidence is that it's about age. Obviously, there's a lot of books and and supplements and other sort of health practitioners that feel that they can change egg quality. There are a couple of things that have got evidence behind them, things like coenzyme Q10 and Mm -hmm. melatonin uh, and less so other sort of antioxidants, but that's more to do with mitochondrial health in the egg rather than actual DNA or chromosome Essentially, what you're born with is what you get. And it's Correct. Kind of hot luck. It is. So I think as long as you've got realistic expectations that anything that you're do- going to do might have a minor improvement, mm. but it's re- it is sad because I do see women who come in their 40s and they say, but I'm really healthy. And yeah. I'm like, I know you're healthy, but <laughs> you're still 40 something. And it's preconception that you know if you've looked after yourself and you've been really healthy that your eggs are going to be a better Mm. quality but unfortunately we're born with our eggs and as our eggs get older our you know that risk of aneuploidy or changing chromosome number really in the egg is is the thing that we haven't got an answer for yet I remember reading that the eggs don't have a blood supply Mm. around them Mm. so it's kind of like locked in there with what you have and some women are experiencing early menopause and things like that and it it's really down to genetics, isn't it? It is. So obviously the, the two things that we look at is egg reserve, so ovarian reserve, so mm-hmm. how the egg number, and then it's and then it's sort of egg quality. So I guess egg number is is one piece of the puzzle, but your age still has to take, you know, has to be acknowledged. Obviously we do sometimes get better results with people in, in their 40s with old with sort of more eggs because mm. we might find that one or two good eggs I guess in that whereas if we're only if we're only able to collect you know one two three eggs then it's harder it's just it just becomes a numbers game really so the, su- 
the success rates of women over 35 and or in their 40s, what is that currently? So if you're trying for IVF and yep. you're making an embryo, yep. um, if you're under 35, it's about a 40% chance mm-hmm. of pregnancy and over between 35 and 40, it's about a 30% chance. So yep. not that different, 40, about 20% and then it drops dramatically. So yeah. um, so it probably goes to 10 to 20 or 10 to 15 um, sort of in your, you know, as a 42, 43 year old. And then those eggs, sometimes it's hard to get enough to genetically test them as well. Correct. And so even getting pregnant with those eggs if they're un- or embryos, if they're untested, have got it, you've got an increased risk of miscarriage. So we will definitely start to talk about the option of pre-implantation genetic screening for aneuploidy um, probably over the age of about 36, 37, okay, yep. we think is a benefit. Yeah. And we provide, you know, we do all that here in Geelong. So that was that's one of the things that couple of years, two, three years ago, if you wanted to have that as an option, you'd go have to go to Melbourne for treatment. Oh, Whereas I didn't now, realize you were offering that in Geelong. That's yeah, great. so so all that all that biopsy and testing is done. Well, mm-hmm. the, the cell, sorry, we remove the cells in yep. Geelong, and, and then then, then just the cells are up to going rather than sending that whole the embryo. whole patient. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. and then we've seen also a rise in bulk billing type IVF clinics, mm-hmm. and I guess I found a lot of people going, well, what's the difference? Is mm. it just cheaper? But there are quite a few differences in what you get. Uh, yeah, I mean, I haven't worked in a bulk billing clinic. Certainly, so you, I guess you get information from people who have transitioned back to a higher cost clinic or are exploring things and kind of getting your advice. Yeah. I guess the, the, the few things that have probably come out is just the continuity of care. So mm, yeah. I think you get probably more continuity of care going through a, a clinic like Monash. I think that it's also just ensuring that you are aware of what extras you may need, like, you know, pre-implantation genetic screening or um, other types of treatments and just seeing if they're available at a, mm. at a bulk build so would you say there's less of an individualised treatment plan? I do, and I think that probably you also need to be conscious of some. sometimes those bulk billing clinics can sometimes give you that service because they're low stimulation as well. So they, yeah. they sometimes don't produce as many. Although if your case is quite complex, you're going to do better in the long run. I think so. A yeah. more boutique style clinic. Well, I think that having a... A fertility specialist that that knows you well and and is sort of aware of all your specifics, yeah. Inter- uh, you know, and can individualize treatment. And I think building trust and building rapport with your specialist is really important. I think it is too. I think it's um, it's just making we know that fertility treatment is tough um, emotionally. Uh, it's a very much a roller coaster. Uh, so I think it's just being able to trust. Yeah, your your specialist and and Let your team. Let them do their job because it is a team, isn't it? Like Absolutely a team. The and lab and the nurses and and that's one of the lovely things we have in Geelong too is that we're all in the same building. Like, you know, if there's been a difficult, if there's been a you know a case that we I sort of say, look, is there anything that we can do to optimize mm. things that I can walk around a corner and talk to the you know. Science, you know, the scientific staff that have done that that cycle and things. So 
you do have to put your faith in the in the experts, I think. Yeah, and I think you get better outcomes when you do that as well. And still being able to come to your specialist and talk about things, but also not trying to micromanage your your cycle to the yeah. point where you need to be on the same page. That's right. And it's interesting because gone are the days of paternalistic medicine of don't worry dear we'll just do <laughs> we'll just do what we're we going to do and we're not going to tell you what we're doing or or get you involved in in your care i think we still very much help people make decisions give them information and help them make decisions but i think that there are a proportion of patients that really do their heads in by by Forums. self well by by self doing their own research often looking at papers and things where it, it's even difficult for me to, to interpret a paper, yeah, you know, yeah. um, and see whether the statistics behind it and things are, are correct in and, and whether there's a correct, out, you know, whether there's a worthwhile outcome out of that paper. The other thing is forums and talking to friends and family and, and, and obviously it's nice to get that support but it's also important to say if someone, if someone is having this treatment, if one of my friends is having this treatment, it doesn't necessarily mean that that's the treatment that's right for me and to trust your um, fertility specialist. That's not to say that, you know, you can ask questions. Like we're, we're, very, we're very happy for you to say, mm. look, I just wanted to get a bit more information about Plexane in an IVF cycle because my friend's on it and what does, would that be something that you would suggest for me? Now, almost certainly, unless there was a significant clotting disorder that we have picked up on blood tests or from your family, you know, screened based on your family history or personal history, then it would often be, no, no, I think that that would cause more harm than good. But it's just that open communication is and important. That's, that's really important because... We would see that a lot too. Yeah. I'm worried about this. I'm worried about that. And I will always say, okay, that's a that's a question for Prue. That's what she's there for. Yeah. Ask yeah. her. Yeah. Or call the clinic if you're really worried about it. Yeah. Better to call and I mean not just stew on it. Mm. And I get that guess that's another thing as well when people come in, why aren't I being tested for every single thing? Mm. Yep. Or think, on every drug that my friend's on. Yeah. I think that the majority of IVF and we're obviously talking about IVF now, the majority of IVF is pretty straightforward. Most women are able to successfully carry a pregnancy when the right embryo goes in and everything is, you know, everything goes smoothly. I guess what couples often will miss is that we are taking detailed histories initially and we are identifying what's happened in there family history and their personal history as to sort of raising red flags of, mm. okay, is there something else going on? I think that there are potentially some clinicians out there that kind of just do a full service of putting everyone on everything. And I, I don't know, that's just not, I think, it's, I think it's an individual clinician's decision as to whether to say, all right, well, this is the recipe and we yeah. will use that recipe for everyone or whether we will be more individualised and say, I don't think that this is required. With the knowledge that we appreciate it, it is an expensive thing, um, both financially and emotionally, to mm. go through, and that we absolutely want you to get pregnant as quickly as possible. 100%. Yeah, there's just this fine line, I guess, between overtreating and investigating at the right time and saying, okay, we're at a stage now where it's worth doing these extra investigations. And that's where it comes back, circles back to that trust. Yeah, finding a specialist that you feel like 
got you. Correct. Yeah. And you feel like you get along with on a personality level as well. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. That's important. Yeah. Because sometimes, you know, the saddest or most frustrating thing I find in my job is that people kind of almost don't have enough treatment to just get to the to get their success. So and there's been a lot of like often when you go to a IVF conference and things, there's discussion around that. There's sort of discussion around how to keep people in the system for as for long enough for them to have success. I I will always say to people, it's about finding your recipe. And the first IVF cycle is often a little bit diagnostic. They don't know how you're going to respond to something. That's right. And look, that's one that's one thing. Um, patients coming for second opinions. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm I'm sure that people seek other opinions as well. So I'm just sort of saying that that's sort of what what happens in medicine. But people find most frustrating is that they're doing the same thing over and over again, and there's not that tweaking of, okay, now we know how you respond. Yeah. You know, if you do need another stimulation, how can we how can we optimize optimize those couple of things? And it's an evolving science, essentially. Yeah, it is. I mean, I don't even think it was that long that egg freezing was considered an experimental science. That's right. So we're coming leaps and bounds, but we're still, we don't know everything yet. And the other thing is that I find that couples who, or women, like any patients that present who just have that innate awe of the technology actually do better as well. Mm. Like they just, you know, just that kind of curiosity and that interest in Wow, this is pretty cool that we can now it's amazing. do this. It's amazing what they do in a lab, honestly. Often, I think the embryologists do yeah. do such yeah. cool things. That's right. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because I love my patients who are vets or horse people, or <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> because they they're like, oh, we do this with horses all the time or something, and it's like they just have that knowledge of how yeah, this is like the. Yeah, reproductive absolutely. medicine, but in a in a different in a different way to what I've what I've experienced. And I guess there can be a reservation that we're doing something unnatural, mm. but it doesn't mean you're going to have a different pregnancy, does it? No, and and look, I think that that's a really um, important thing to raise, and I think some people are a bit embarrassed to sort of raise that as a look. We have some trepidation about this, and or the concern about having excess embryos or those sort of things that. It's something that's very easily discussed and can be sometimes mani- manipulated a little bit as well. Mm. You know, we, we have patients who have made decisions that they don't want any embryos frozen. So we, you know, we freeze eggs and fertilise a small amount, of, a small amount mm. of eggs each cycle to make embryos so they don't have to, you know, so you don't have to freeze eggs. So, and that's for, you know, probably moral or religious sort of yeah. desires. and. You know, there's lots of different ways that we can that we can help you feel comfortable, I guess, with the process. Yeah, and I think if you're thinking about seeing a specialist and you're like, oh, I'm probably not going to see me yet, I'm not ready, it doesn't hurt to just go in and get everything checked out, does it? Yeah, and I think... Especially because the wait can be quite long. Well, yeah, it's ranging. Uh, look, I think for specialists in general, you know, it can range from probably three weeks to three months. That's not too bad. So I think that it, it's just something that if you want to be proactive, then we're always very happy when people ring up and cancel their appointment because they're yeah, pregnant. Yeah. It's not, you know, that's completely fine. But it's, yeah, I guess it's just that fine line of making sure that you're not at the end of your tether um, emotionally. Yes, 100%. I think um, because I think you need 
you need to have some emotional resilience, like endurance. You know, endurance, I guess, for, for the process as well. And as much as we can, you know, support you and help you and we have, you know, the nurses and the counsellors there and, and you know, the sta- all the staff on your side, it's a tough and it's thing. establishing your team, isn't it? Yeah. Whether you're seeing a psychologist still or you're, you know, acupuncture or whatever you're doing. Yeah. Make the process as smooth as possible Absolutely. for you. Absolutely. Yeah. And we're all on the same page. We all want the same thing. Exactly. Yeah. And like some people will ring and say, oh, look, I, I fell pregnant like the month before. Like they're almost. It happens a lot, not doesn't apologetic, it? <laughs> but like they're sort of like, oh, I fell pregnant and I was supposed to go on the pill to start IVF. And I'm like, that's great. <laughs> you know, good luck. Yeah. And, and we'll often, you know, often at that stage, obviously they've been trying for a long time. So I'll, what, we'll watch quite closely and make sure that they've got to that next stage to sort of say, yeah, yep, everything's looking really good. Like your seven week scans looking great. So, and I've go. seen you do that a lot, actually, which is really nice. I don't think all specialists do it, that sometimes you haven't even met the person mm. and you're still like doing bloods and checking scans and they're still supported in that early stage. Yeah. I think especially with recurrent miscarriage or. Yeah long-standing self-fertility that 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 pregnancy is very precious I mean all pregnancies are precious but a bit um, more anxiety driven that's right and I think that just anything that we can do to lower cortisol levels and stress levels and just make them feel like someone is looking over and making sure that everything's continuing like I mean and it's not it's not like we've got a magic wand we can't fix something if it's broken mm. but it, it, it is I think there is definitely evidence out there even for a current miscarriage that a TLC can be of huge benefit in terms of yeah, just a weekly blood I test agree. to make sure that things are continuing to look and that's why sometimes positive. just getting in with your obstetrician early and then having yep. that extra support can be beneficial absolutely I feel like we can probably talk forever <laughs> but we should probably wrap it up Thank you so much for joining us. That's a pleasure, I feel like that will be some great information. That's fine. I'll come back anytime. Yes, we will absolutely have you back. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a friend, subscribe where you listen, or head to Apple to rate and review. You will find the show notes on our website, conceivethepodcast.com.au, and can follow us on Instagram at conceive underscore podcast, where you can also leave questions for future episodes. 